Namaste and welcome to another edition of the Bharatvarta Weekly with Ashish Chandorkar, Srivatsa Subhana and myself, Roshan Karyapa. Good morning to all of you. Hope all of you are doing well. Hi, Ashish. Hi, Vatsa. How are you guys? Hi, Kari. Doing good. Hi, Kari. So on the weekly today, we have a bunch of interesting topics to discuss. Uh, the Indian Railways will invest 25,000 crore for a new signaling system based on 4G. Apple vendors have hired 20,000 workers post the PLI scheme for smartphones. State governments are offering fiscal incentives for recovery from the second wave. The White House is undertaking immediate actions to strengthen U.S. supply chains. Prime Minister Modi has announced that the center will take back control of vaccine procurement. And finally, Tata Digital is all set to acquire a majority stake in online pharmacy 1MG. So a bunch of all of this to talk about and discuss. Uh, but first, let's look at uh, some of the episodes that we put out last week. Uh, we put out two episodes and uh, two quite distinct episodes. The first was called Pallavas and Chalukyas Cooptation in Stone. That's a very interesting word, cooptation. And uh, indeed, you know, I delved more on that uh, with uh, Gurpreet and Bharat, who are the authors of this coffee table book, discussing the temple architecture of Pallavas and Chalukyas. And it was a fascinating episode. I mean, I was transported to those places as they described all of the nuances. And temples themselves were so rich, uh, right? Centers of learning, centers of knowledge, wealth, and so on. And I really highly recommend uh, listening to this episode, if anything, for a short trip to, you know, those places, a virtual trip to those places. So, Vatsa, have you visited any of these places? Some of them, not all. I've uh, visited the Mahablipuram one, which is which is a pretty stunning temple, right? I mean, yeah. The sad thing is it's not used as a temple, but uh, I think they should like allow puja and all that to happen there. It's, it's an amazing place to visit. Right. And uh, the other episode that we put out was uh, Decoding Indian Bureaucracy with uh, Sri Avinash Dharmadikari. This was also pretty fascinating. Uh, Ashish, what was it like uh, interviewing Mr. Dharmadikari? Yeah, it was a pretty interesting episode, Carrie. The knowledge which Mr. Dharmadikari brings in is immense. He was in the IS for about 10 years and did very well for himself, climbing ladder uh, very fast. But he was also an activist before that and his insights and how the policy is being made, how the services are evolving, uh, the issues which need to be solved uh, were very practical. And also he has a lot of conviction. A lot of people probably don't know that he runs one of the most successful coaching centers in, in India for uh, for the UPSC prep. It's called Chanakya Mandal, which is based out of Pune. And a lot of people uh, in Maharashtra use that as a facility to prepare for the UPSC exams. So he's also mentoring the young generation uh, for several years. So very inspiring personality and uh, it was a great conversation. Right. Fantastic. Moving on. The Indian Railways will invest rupees 25,000 crores for a new signaling system based on 4G technology. Uh, the Union Cabinet on Wednesday approved a five-year plan to use 4G to modernize communication networks in railway stations. Uh, the purpose of the LTE band for the railways is to provide safe, secure and reliable voice, video and data communication services. It will also enable Internet of Things-based remote asset monitoring. The railways has also approved an indigenously developed automatic train protection system to avoid train collisions. The plan will contribute significantly to the modernization of the railway communication infrastructure, improving the safety of travel and also quality of signaling for operations. Ashish, uh, this sounds pretty exciting. How will this impact the quality of train travel in the country? 
So see, Railways has been using either a manual signaling system or the old uh, 2G based signaling, right? So they, they use their own fiber optic network and so on. So this is a very big development for the railways infrastructure in India. They are getting five megahertz of dedicated frequency in the 700 uh, megahertz range, which is a 4G range in India. And this will allow them to completely revamp how they monitor train travel. So how communication happens between stations, between the running train and uh, the command centers across stations, for example, I think this is uh, this uh, basically the radio based communication will change uh, the, the entire landscape. It's a five year project, so it's not going to get implemented immediately. It will take time to uh, basically come online. But the standards of the signaling will become uh, equivalent to the European train collision system, the ET, uh, ETCS, which we have been trying to uh, implement for a while. This will be more or less indigenous in the sense that whatever is developed on top of the infrastructure will come from local uh, sources or they could be foreign companies making uh, designing the system in India. So it also gives an impetus to the telecommunication based R&D kind of projects uh, with railways being the main customer. So a pretty big development. As you also hinted, carry on the IoT based communication, right? So even the preventive part of how railways operates, uh, I think that also will be, I mean, the, the preventive maintenance or essentially advance warning of something going wrong. Some of that can also be incorporated through the signaling system. So overall, I think this is a, uh, one of, I mean, it's probably less appreciated because it's a technical subject, but I would say that this is as big a development as railways launching a HSR or, uh, you know, it, or, 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 or DFCs. So we've spoken about some of that and that resonates more because it's a physical infrastructure. This is probably more technical in nature, so people don't necessarily appreciate. But in, in terms of the structural changes that Railways is bringing in, this is as big as some of those uh, areas. So a pretty good uh, future ahead in terms of how the, the telecom uh, networks and Railways come together to make use of the uh, changing landscape of technology. So Apple vendors have hired 20,000 workers post the PLI scheme for smartphones. This hiring spree was carried out in seven months to scale up Apple's manufacturing capability in India. Both Foxconn and Vistron have crossed their year one investment target of rupees, 2000, uh, rupees 250 crores each. As per the PLI applications, these companies are expected to hire nearly 23,000 employees each by the end of the financial year 2022. The government had sent more than two lakh direct jobs are expected to be created over the next five years through the smartphone PLI scheme. Shrivatsa, is this the fact that, you know, PLI is working or is it too early to tell? What's your take on this? See, I think it is too early to say this primarily because uh, this has not been a normal year, right? Although Apple has been uh, trying to set up some sort of a manufacturing or assembly facilities in India for, for a few years now. They started with iPhone SE and more and more models of iPhone are going to be assembled in India going ahead. They have many partners here you mentioned foxconn and vistron there are others and between them they have created around 23 25000 jobs uh, this year uh, while that sounds impressive in general handset manufacturers they have they they have missed their uh, pli targets mostly uh, nothing to do with the policy per se or the fact that uh, they are unable to get people or anything of that sort. It's more to do with uh, COVID. You know, we've seen people having to move back to their hometowns. 
due to safety issues there have been lockdown so all of this has definitely impacted the plans of uh, manufacturers in fact only samsung samsung is the only company that has met the target in the fiscal year 21 now uh, the good thing is that you know the government is considering a proposal to look at 2022 this 2021 22 as the first year uh, this would mean that pli itself would get extended from 2025 to 26 and the target for this year will come down from 8000 crores to 4000 crores you know this also sends a very strong message globally that uh, the if it happens that the government really wants a strong and thriving manufacturing industry in india right so that's that's definitely a positive as i mentioned i mean the uh, pandemic has hit the hiring plans like haywire right i mean the industry was supposed to generate 50000 jobs in fy21 uh, which has not happened and 200000 as you mentioned in fy22 again looks unlikely but all of this is not in uh, anyone's control so another thing that we need to consider is that you know covid is kind of making a comeback in parts of china taiwan so lot of these plants rely on china and taiwan for getting the material you know which is then assembled in india so that's again another potential downside risk for this financial year uh, so overall the plan is good i think it's working it may not have worked to the extent that you know we thought it would but it's it's a step forward and if the government you know as has been asked by these manufacturers to move the pli scheme itself by year if it does that i think you'll see more countries wanting to come to india because that sends out a very positive message uh, for whoever wants to create jobs in india and the success of this is important because it then also could potentially lead to you know more upstream pli in the area of uh, you know semiconductor manufacturing and so on so i think uh, you know this year is critical but next year is going to be even more important in terms of knowing you know where the pli in phone manufacturing is headed the state governments are offering fiscal incentives for recovery from the second wave uh, gujarat chief minister vijay rupani announced a complete waiver of property tax and fixed charges on electricity bills for a period of one year between april 1st 2021 and uh, march 31st 2022 this waiver is applicable for cinema houses multiplexes and gyms which are some of the hardest hit uh, businesses in the pandemic other businesses exempt are also establishments like hotels resorts restaurants and water parks which of course have been you know very very badly hit as well ashish uh, looks like you know other governments are also planning to offer similar incentives can you talk to us about this a little bit so uh, can you say two parts to this one is that the central government is in incentivizing or should be incentivizing which is what was being discussed in the gst council so i think that i mean we saw one meeting yesterday where uh, uh, you know some of those discussions happened around rate cuts on or or rate rate uh, revisions on the medicines and so on so i think a larger package for states to invest in some of the retail type businesses i think that is still probably pending but i think what is what is good is that a couple of states have taken lead in you know doing a fiscal transfer at their end so i'll give you a few examples like gujarat for example is waiving off the rent and the power bills for all the hotels and the hospitality industry for this financial year so good thing is that they are doing it in the future which is 
after the establishments open they are they are doing it uh, for for april 2021 till march 2022 so it's it's a great gesture because that way the the economy as it opens up now after the second wave these establishments will not have to pay any property tax or power bills uh, or part of the power bills for uh, for 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 a one year so i think that will still help help stabilize their businesses secondly like odisha for example has done a 30 crore package for street vendors right so they will benefit about 1 lakh street street vendors giving them some uh, cash transfers from from the state government uh, up has done the same where they have done uh, for 23 lakh construction workers they gave 1000 rupees each uh, of direct transfers to meet uh, immediate expenses so i mean numbers may look small but uh, these people who are li- living in small villages and who are uh, uh, you know not able to even earn subsistence wages right now for them it could be it, it comes as a, as some fiscal support some money in hand also the ration is anyway free for till till diwali for 80 crore or uh, beneficiaries right so holders of all the uh, main ration card types will get free food or when free uh, ingredients till uh, end of uh, let's say october or early november so i think some of these are good measures but of course we'll have to do the more more central type of a package very soon all right the white house is undertaking immediate actions to strengthen us supply chains um, this move comes after president biden's executive order crea- uh, to create a task force and examine vulnerabilities in the country's supply chains the administration is taking immediate action to address these vulnerabilities and strengthen resilience in the supply chain a white house statement stated that this effort was aimed at to quote addressing near term supply chain disruptions Ash, uh, what's up is this uh, you know us learning from everything that's happened the post the pandemic or uh, you know again perhaps too too early to tell no i think they they definitely learned right i mean uh, there was there was a period from 1990 to 2018 19 where uh, trade as a percentage of world gdp was kept on going up from around 39% to 58 and peaked at 61% and now it's down to again 58% right and uh, what has happened with this uh, with covid is that we've had disruptions earlier but this has been the longest ever disruption and it has highlighted some very structural issues with global supply chains so china for instance manufacturing lot of medical goods and equipment and even we as a country were heavily reliant on imports right for stuff like ppe it was during the pandemic that we built all this capacity so definitely there is a global realization that you cannot rely on one country and you cannot have a manufacturing uh, concentrated right uh, although it may appear more efficient but it's definitely not resilient so it makes sense to build in some sort of redundancy manufacture some of the important uh, equipment you know and medicines etc locally right uh, so as you mentioned you know biden served this uh, signed this executive order in feb and they did a comprehensive review and they found four industries where they wanted to build this resilient supply chain right so it was started with a uh, semiconductor manufacturing because that's one area that's been hit we've seen we've discussed in one of the earlier weeklies how shortage of chips has hurt you know some of the largest auto manufacturers like gm ford etc right uh, similarly a lot of uh, material that goes into building evs and 
higher capacity batteries what are known as rare earths china almost has a monopoly on the supply you know beat from africa or beat domestically and uh, they have they have managed to control big chunks of the supply chain there likewise with uh, pharmaceuticals right so china again had a big monopoly there and a uh, lot of countries were dependent on uh, china now uh, so there is talk of supply chain resilience and what it essentially means is that uh, you need visibility into the supply chain now one of the things that globalization exposed was that there was no visibility of you know where the semi finished goods were where the raw materials are how much you know com- uh, finished goods are going to be manufactured all of that there was no visibility you just had to rely on china i mean that that was pretty much the state similarly emergency stockpiles again redundancies built into the supply chain all this just didn't exist because it was just thought of as overheads and additional costs and in a move to cut, cut costs across the board we've actually sacrificed a lot of our ability to deal with crisis so in itself they're focusing on you know rebuilding production capabilities there's a lot of you know standard jargon thrown in that we are the innovators of the world and all of that the most innovative country in the world and so on but there are some good points right so there is talk of more investment in r&d and linking it to domestic manufacturing which didn't exist in the us earlier uh, similarly some of the critical minerals mining has kind of almost you know come down by a large extent in the western countries right primarily because it's seen as unsafe and risky and so on but there will be there is going to be a move to probably have more environmentally safe mining for some of these critical materials in some of the developed countries especially us there is also talk of working with allies upskilling so some of the things that we've actually seen in india right be it skill india or incentivizing uh, manufacturers to set up plants in india making almost this almost seems like some way to become atmanirbhar on the us side whether it happens or not is is interesting i mean the us has had this goal to be say independent of uh, imported energy since the 70s right and they've still not reached there so while the talk is good we we have to wait and watch on how they actually implement this and how successful they are in in kind of building this resilient supply chain yeah i think we're going to see a very interesting period where you know maximizing shareholder value on one hand and then you know some sort of economic nationalism or whatever as steve bannon uh, has said before right and definitely interesting times ahead moving on prime minister modi announced on monday that the center will take back control of vaccine procurement the prime minister declared that the center will buy 75% of all vaccines made by domestic vaccine makers the other quarter of the output will have to be bought by private hospitals the prime minister also announced a cap of rupees 150 on the amount private hospitals can charge over the cost of purchase he expressed optimism that more vaccine candidates will be available in the country in the future including an underdevelopment nasal vaccine he also mentioned that vaccine trials for children were ongoing ashish uh, you know given everything that's happened over the last couple of months during the second wave you know two questions do you think this was coming uh, and also second how do you expect things to change here so carry i think this this is something which we've discussed multiple times uh, on various podcasts and on weeklies on how we would uh, 
what was the what is the optimal way of procurement right and policy changed in april uh, till 18th april the central government was procuring everything while on 19th uh, the central government said that the states can now go for their own uh, stocks so the challenge here what happened was that the states were i mean it was more of a political decision right the states were pressurizing the center that they need to have more say in the in the in the, in the whole process while the the practicality was not assessed plus there were some media people who were egging on the states that they can easily import pfizer and moderna and so on while not necessarily understanding the fact that there were no stocks of these vaccines anywhere in the world i mean even for example european union who ordered for some of these vaccines in july august last year only got the stocks in april this year so this whole bogey of we have not ordered enough was actually quite baseless because i mean vaccine production is not like producing soaps or shampoos that you you just get a license and you start producing somewhere else right so the i mean throwing more money at a vaccine production line doesn't mean more 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 vaccine in terms of the stocks i mean some of the vaccines for example what covaxin uh, situation has i mean the, it it takes a while to culture the virus right on a, on on a bsl3 facility so it takes a few months or few weeks to even culture the right virus in the right way so in that sense the decision to uh, decentralize was of course always an experiment which did not did not work the good thing is that we came out of it very very quickly in just about 7 weeks it was clear that the states were not able to deliver and all these global tenders where intermediaries were floating or responding which they they were they were obviously going to lead to corruption eventually so good thing was that this was scuttled and the center has not taken full control starting 21st june there will be a walk in for 18 to 44 uh, age group also so the fact that the vaccine numbers are now increasing center has put in more orders also with biologically 30 crore vaccines there plus uh, capacity increasing for sii for covaxin and uh, i mean for bharat biotech that is and all the new uh, stocks coming in like from Sput- sputnik uh, from zydus cadella and potentially jnj and novavax i mean which is called covavax in india so all of that coming in hopefully uh, by august or so we should be able to ramp up significantly on the daily vaccination numbers we've already gone from i mean 6 crores in may till about to about 9 to 10 crores in june and that number should essentially can easily go up to 20 25 crores a month if all these vaccines are in place but the the, the thing is we've kind of lost about 6 weeks or 7 weeks in this process probably lost about 5 cr vaccinations in aggregate by lost i mean they, they've been pushed forward so uh, hopefully by august things come back on track and as the, the government is trying to uh, get all eligible people vaccinated by december it should still be possible we'll still of course need one crore a day type uh, numbers so fingers crossed on that one we we need to have a proof of concept that we can get there uh, for now the immediate target in june uh, in july should be to get to about 50 60 lakhs a day and finally tata digital is also to acquire a majority stake in online pharmacy 1mg this investment will boost the online pharmacy's valuation to 450 million dollars with early investors sequoia capital and omidyar network looking to exit the firm within the next couple of months this is tata's second major investment in an indian startup this week they announced a 75 million dollar investment in fitness startup curefit the current deal is a primary and secondary share sale worth 250 to 270 million dollars with other invest with other existing investors also infusing capital along with tata digital So this whole Tata Digital thing has been in the works since 2017, right? Uh, so N. Chandrasekharan, who's the chairman of Tata Sons, has outlined that you know there is a simplification, synergy sort of a strategy, where they're looking at all of their clusters and focusing on the core and scaling these businesses. 
and uh, who who better to do this than tata right i mean salt to software conglomerate uh, one of the most trusted brands in brands in india with a 150 year old legacy and uh, they they've tried some of this stuff themselves i mean they had a consumer facing e-commerce site tata click which hadn't taken off then they had something on the medical side called tata class edge then they had another educational services and uh, you know uh, like a swiggy kind of an app also in the works uh, like tata q um, all of this being in- integrated but i mean of course you know none of these have really you know seen the light of day and i think it kind of makes sense for them to acquire these businesses and integrate them in the uh, the, the tata name and the good thing is you know over the last couple of years reliance has kind of shown them the playbook right reliance has acquired everything from balaji telefilms to savan to haptic for example haptic was a customer engagement uh, platform and find in the e-commerce uh, domain reliance interestingly also recently acquired netmeds which is the online pharmacy equivalent as well and um, considering that you know netmeds is uh, there and also amazon has also started ramping up uh, drug deliveries and so on uh i think this 1mg deal puts it in perspective in some sense right so uh the group itself has out, i think uh, you know set aside around 2000 crores for some of these initiatives um earlier we saw them acquire uh, 64% of uh, big basket for about 219 million to take on the biggies again in the retail space amazon reliance and walmart and uh, they're also looking at uh, businesses like danzo which is uh, a super app of its own kind right which does all kinds of deliveries it's interesting times ahead for uh, for the digital space itself you know uh, considering how richly the stock market has re- rewarded some of these moves right so it'll be very interesting to see how this pans out uh, going into the future what's up ashish any comments on this no carry i think you you covered it very well lot of details especially around you know the the attempts of tata digital to kind of build their own businesses and not succeeding and then moving down the acquisition route uh, i think that that's a that's a great point all right moving on uh, so that's a wrap uh, from us here at the bharatwarta weekly thank you again for all of the love and support that you've shown us they're now on patreon uh, as we've been saying do join us uh, there are some fantastic uh, subscriber only content that we're trying to produce also upcoming this week we have a couple of fantastic episodes we have the world test championship final and this was a discussion with uh, uh, mr chetan narula and then we have an overview on digital payments this is with monica jasuja and ritu bandari both will be hosted by shivatsa and as we mentioned before from the 51st uh, episode of the weekly onwards we will be going sub- premium subscriber only so do make sure you join our community on youtube and patreon to join us every sunday thank you so much again and until next time do stay safe take care and jai hind